Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 159 of the Peak of Serenity podcast. As always, I am one of your hosts, Emelson, and joining me, we have my co-host, Anomaly. Hello. And this week, uh, we're talking about more raid stuff, more key stuff. Uh, there was an interview, I think, uh, that we're going to... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. But uh, along with all of that, the race to world first also began and ended uh, yes. since the last podcast. So we're gonna talk about that and maybe a little bit about the overall tuning of the raid and the speed of gearing and what that maybe means for the future. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but you want to get started with? Uh, do we want to start with the race to world first progression, or do we want to start with? Oh, we can start that. Let's start, let's start with Race for World first, and then we can sort of dovetail into to our progression. Because I think it's probably similar. Well, not as quick, but similar. Similar, uh, like, uh, yeah, similar in the way it will progress, too, I think. So, yeah, yeah. so Race for World first, start and ended. Um, Actually, I'm wrong. It didn't start what? this week, did it? It started last week. It ended after our podcast last week. Yes, I remember you're talking right. Yeah, talking about yeah, right. last week. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so it ended after, you're right. It ended after we, we, we did the podcast. But, yeah, on Monday, right? Yeah. Uh, um, limits or sorry, liquid, uh, killed, uh, Sakurath first. Um, interestingly enough, liquid, <laughs> liquid got on early. Um, they did, they did this thing, which I think is, I don't know if it's tilting or not. I, I wish, I don't think echoes sort of had an interview yet to talk about this, but, um, when, when liquid went to bed Sunday, uh, they turned off logs, basically they turned on, they turned off or turned they turned off. off logs and they turned off streams. Um, yeah. So they didn't stream for about four or five hours, probably worth of progression Sunday night, um, and then also turned off logs, so you couldn't see how they were progressing. And then randomly, uh, at I think it was eight a.m. Eastern or or nine a.m. Eastern on Monday, which would have been six a.m. on the West Coast, which is where they're at. Uh, streams come on and logs come on, and you see that they have gotten Sakura to fourteen percent. Yeah, is what it what it came up with. Yeah. Um, where and and at that point, Echo was still in like the the. 40s or, or upper 30s right in terms yep. of their progression so um a little jarring we'll say they were on early and then they also did this which i mean from a general race perspective like coming on early and messing with your sleep schedule basically means you kill it there like it's a it's a killable boss right the idea yeah. is i think they they thought that they needed to get up early needed to start early because it was like one of the two guilds was going to kill that boss that day um and it yeah. happened Yep. Um, and, yeah, Liquid made sort of steady progress the rest of the day. So a couple of really good pulls and then ended up killing the boss first. Um, probably like afternoonish time, sorry, I believe. Um uh for the US. So yeah, um they got it there. Um so they went world first and then Echo killed it, you know, later that day, like like later that evening, uh EU time really. Um so yeah, so kind of first reset. The gap between the two was about six hours. Um mm-hmm. Echo killed it at 1.50 Eastern time, uh, Eastern US time. And, uh, or sorry, L- Liquid killed it at 1.50 Eastern US time, uh, while Echo got it at about 7.30 Eastern US time. So it's around around six hours, five and a half hours gap between the two. Um, and so very, like, the, the sleep thing, the getting up early thing, um played a role probably like that that got them like if they had started at their usual like um well four hours later it would have been a much much closer race there would have been 
you know, even if they had both taken the exact same amount of time from there, like yeah. it would have been like an hour and a half, right? Yeah, yeah, it would have been super, super close. So, yeah, no, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a really close race between the two. Um, and it, it came, yeah, it came down to the wire. I think, at least from my opinion, I think over the course of, and this is, I think this is true when Liquid last won, is that Liquid just seemed to play better on every boss. Like whether that was a strat thing or like an execution thing, they seemed to just be better. And there wasn't that, there was no flip-flopping of boss kills, which I think helped them, right? It's yeah. not like like Echo would get one world first and then Liquid would come back and get the next boss. Liquid got essentially every world first past Rashok, I think, or, yeah. or Karn. I think one of the two, I forget um, which one they got the first one, but they got every world first in there, which is how they've won the three times they've gotten world first is I don't think they've ever fallen behind um echo in any of those races so um, if you if you look at the amount of time that they spent on these bosses um it's interesting that um so this is a better spread than we saw in vault of the incarnates where they're just like uh even for world first guilds razageth was just like by far the dominant time sink yeah. not even like this is um so roughly uh echo or sorry Liquid spent about eight hours progressing Mythic Razageth in actual combat time. That doesn't include time between pulls, discussing strat or sleeping time or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just time in combat. Uh, but they overall spent about 18 hours. So it was under half of the total time that they spent in combat on these bosses. Echo of Notharian was the next highest um, at around five hours, mm-hmm. uh, four to five hours. And then uh, Skarn, actually, I think, surprising very few people uh, clocking in at around four hours. Um, and so, like, those two bosses, like, this is, like, pretty different from last year where Razageth was just, like, 60 or something. Yeah. 60 to 70% of all time that they spent in the raid during that race. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, most guilds killed every boss pre-Razageth in, like, less than 100 pulls. And then Razageth was three or 400 pulls. Like, yeah, which is just, yeah, crazy from a difficulty perspective. So, yeah, the difficulty curve a lot will say like cleaner. I think in general, most people say like difficulty curve went well or was good tuning wise, except for Magmarax. I think Magmarax yeah. is the outlier in just it was too easy for where it was. But like Rashok, Zakarn, Echo and and Sakharath all very, very neatly tuned and didn't seem at least. From like watching, I watched a bunch of the liquid stuff. Didn't seem very um, any like crazy bugs that they were, you know, they were yeah. dealing with. I think the so the fights were not as buggy, that's for sure. And there weren't nearly as many tuning misses. Where like if you look at Vault of the Incarnates, mm-hmm. there were major, major tuning changes during the race to world first on at least three bosses. Yeah. Um and on yeah. Razageth, there were there were at least three just on Razageth. Like on, um, so it was like the Thea, they added an extra add so that the hardened rage was not as deep into the fight. Yeah. Um, or so that you could take the fight longer without hitting that soft enrage. Uh, they reduced the damage on Kurog. They uh, then on Razageth nerfed the adds, nerfed the storm surge, and then nerfed the phase three soft enrage. Yeah. Just all like. Before. And all three of those walled both guilds. Um, So that's, uh, yeah, in contrast, this time, the only real bug that I noticed 
uh, watching the race was invisible motes falling on Sarkareth. And this, I think, is just a, another issue in the long line of sometimes two puddles overlap and you can't see the second one more than anything else. Like you have yeah. um, the black hole, like group soak, mm-hmm. and you go to soak it and you get bombed by a moat that's falling that you can't see. And yeah. then you get sent downstairs and don't soak and people die. Yeah, I thought too, it might also be, um, I didn't know if there's was also happening, but I know that like in Jaina, this was an issue with the bombardments where like, if you come out of, if you came out like, the way that the projected oh, yeah. textures work sometimes, if you come out of like a down phase back up, you don't see what's already been spawned. So like if a moat already spawned yeah. and is falling, it doesn't project the texture for project the texture for you. Yeah. And they could also get hit by something like that. So yeah, I know that was a Jaina issue. Um, there was another boss fight re- more recently than that that I think this came up on. But I thought like I also heard that too, and I thought maybe it was something similar where it's just yeah, like, doesn't that also seems likely as a problem. Yeah, it's more of an engine issue than anything. But but no, yeah, um, I mean Liquid got it down. Echo right behind them. There didn't. It was funny. There, there wasn't any sort of. I guess the other thing about this is there wasn't any sort of crazy class stacking. Like I think yep. most guild, like guilds, pretty killed. I think pretty much killed it with like maybe Paladin ends up being like the stacked class. I know that um, yeah. Limit or Liquid ran a Ret, a Holy, and a Prot, so one of each spec. Um, but um, but yeah, no, there wasn't any sort of like super super overpowered class um, that uh, that everybody was running a bunch of. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was a it was a quick race, we'll say. Yeah. So that's the other thing about this, right? People people have been commenting a lot about the relationship between this race and I think the the actual fastest race ever, which was Emerald Nightmare, which yeah. ended before EU even had a reset, I believe. Yeah, um, well, it ended in a I feel like that one was like a cup like it was a couple maybe it was days. Like a second day. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was like I think Exorcist. Exorcist got world first on Xavius, and I think the okay, only so reason they beat. EU. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only reason they beat Method was because Method went to bed, like slightly earlier that tier because they're like, oh, we'll have a bunch of time to progress on Xavius, and then and Exorcist, Exorcist just stayed up. It. Yeah, just yeah. killed it. Yeah, because I think that one lasted literally till like Thursday of that week. So like, okay, I don't even yeah. think it lasted to the weekend. So. So an interesting thing about that. So if that's Thursday, that's like the Wednesday to Thursday. So that's like two days, right? Yeah. Um, we don't know much about how they did splits at the time. This was pre-streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pre-streaming, pre-like production and, you know, all the other stuff that goes into the current Race of World First setups. Um, and that means we don't know, for example, how much, if any time they spent on splits. Um, I have to assume that there's some, but I don't know how much. Uh, versus this race, like they didn't even t- like what when's when's Liquid's first mythic kill? Uh, Should have been Liquid's- Friday. Yeah, it's or it's maybe late on Thursday. It's May 11th uh, at 11:50 p.m. my time, which would have been Thursday night. They killed Kazara, then they went and killed Amalgamation Chamber, then Forgotten Experiments. Then Assault of the Zakali and then Rashok. Uh, I guess they went to bed after Assault of the Assault of the Zakali and then did Rashok the next day. But like, they didn't even touch it until after you know World First Xavius happened, relative to recent yeah. time um, by yeah. over a day. Yeah, I I heard a stat. I don't know how true this is, but I heard a stat that Liquid killed heroic Zakra thirty two times. 
yeah in their splits I it, actually, I, might have, I might have mentioned that last week too but yeah no they did they did a ton of splits to start it and um yeah no it's i mean i think that's just the race like like max was saying and i think scripe also had a similar comment of like as long as they do dual release like i think it's two things as long as tier sets are a thing and as long as they release everything together like this like they will always do splits like first right so the first like three or four days of any race will be splits um yeah this is i mean i think in general this is a it was a quick one which i don't i mean look like from my point of view these are the best players in the world with the most amount of time and resources right. like like they don't they don't want like for me like i i, I equate it to like most normal people who play wow and and you know maybe i'm a little bit like we're a little bit more involved in it but even for us like we do a bunch of prep work based on what other people doing do but then when we get into a fight there's always changes right there's always right. like adjustments um and things like that where um and then like people are seeing, I mean, to be fair, some of our raiders are seeing mechanics for the first time because they don't do any <laughs> prep themselves. <laughs> right. And so like in a guild like like Liquid or Echo, like they've done these fights as a group on PTR, right? They've spent yeah. time like mapping things out. They've had like sessions yeah. where they sit down and map everything out. Like cooldowns are all like basically hit exact like sort of all pre-planned, you know, and, and yep. adjusted based on like specific timings or like you know, we're, we're sort of throwing it together a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's one of those things where like people get so hung up, like, and it's, I don't even think it's like the world first people. I think it's just in general, like the community gets hung up on the fact yeah. of like, didn't make it to the first reset, super easy rate. It's like, well, like number one, are yeah. you clearing it in the first week? Probably not. And like, are you clearing it in less pulls than like liquid and echo did it at probably lower item level? <laughs> so here's an interesting stat. Okay. So I've been doing a bunch of prep for Rashok because we're going to be pulling Rashok hopefully tonight. Um, Mm -hmm. We have forgotten experiments to get to, not to get like too much into our own prog and everything, but yeah. Um, Liquid killed Rashok at eye level 432.5, right? That's pretty Mm -hmm. good. That's a solid eight eye levels over what you could have reasonably obtained last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I think the highest eye level people in the world were like 423, 424 with like maxed out gear from the last two bosses and from the mythic plus vault and all this, all this stuff. Um, so that's, that's really geared. Um, they killed it with seven or eight seconds left before the enrage, which may sound pretty close. If you look at recent progression kills on this boss, people like guilds like mine are at 435, 436, 437. So we're four, five, six eye levels higher Mm -hmm. and killing it at the enrage at six minutes, 30 seconds where liquid killed it at around 622, 623. Um, and that's a lot. <laughs> like, they, with less gear, killed it faster. Like, yeah. literally, the, the time on in combat with the boss on their kill pull is less with, with less gear. And that's like, there's a big gap between what these world first skills can do, not just in terms of strat prep, which I think mechanical and strat prep stuff is um gonna be a huge factor in how long guilds take on sarkareth just based mm-hmm. on um the kinds of things that they were doing in the world first race and some of the commentary after the race um there's a lot of pretty tight mechanical checks and people having to make kind of snap decisions yeah which uh you know hit or miss um yeah. but rashok is really like aside from magmarax is one of the closest patchwork bosses there's not really there's some strat prep but it's not super complicated 
it really is just a numbers check. Yeah. And um, so like this is like the the world first guilds exceed where kind of more normal guilds are both in terms of planning and prep like you were mm-hmm. talking about but also just pure execution of the basics of the like the fundamentals of the classes they're playing right right like it's yeah. it's not just like they have a better strat they have better prep they execute their strat better more reliably and also they execute their classes better and more reliably while doing all of that. It's just crazy. Yeah. Like you add all those things together and there's a huge gap between what a world first guild is capable of doing, how quickly they're capable of killing a boss versus, you know, yeah, my guild. And that's not to not a knock on my guild. That's just the reality of, you know, Liquid and Echo recruiting literally the best players in the world and investing hundreds if not thousands of hours into prep before the race yep. versus ours where like i have spent probably 100 hours total maybe <laughs> maybe not even that on raid prep and that's including stuff like ptr testing that i yeah. prep for yeah yeah no yeah it's it's there's a huge gap there but i think you know i think for me like watching this race like i don't I said this the other day too, um, to someone. I was like, I'm not dreading progressing any of the bosses we have remaining, right? Like where yeah. there was definitely the dread of like, like Dathia. it's a pulker. It was like, I mean, it was Dathia in yeah in Vault. Or even like, I mean, to to be completely honest with you, like Diurna was always going to be one. Or not Diurna, but Kurog, sorry, was one where I was like, this is just going to be rough. And like, I'm not yeah. looking forward to doing this and and stuff like that. So, I mean, no, I'm... I'm happy. Like for me, it was a fun race. It was good. Like there wasn't a bunch of like issues, right? Um, I think it was cool that Liquid, you know, pulled the whole like we're not going to stream tonight and the huge backlash from from a lot of people. So I'm just like, dude, like they want to win. Like let them do that. Yeah, that was a little bit frustrating. So that was a little bit frustrating from my side. Um, not for the same reason that it is for a lot of people, but like for work reasons. So I, again, I work at Warcraft Vlogs. We have a race to world first page when liquid turned off competition mode, they disappear from the leaderboard. And that's like, they have the power to do that, right? Our, yeah. The way our rankings and our race to world first stuff works, you can turn off competition mode and log privately. And, you know, it doesn't show up anywhere. And if you want to have your privacy, you can have your privacy. And that's a built in feature, right? Um, but also it meant that they disappeared from the leaderboard for like eight hours. Right, I saw. I noticed that uh, there was a little custom message for their progression, which was labeled, I think, like hiding strats, where you typically have like number of pulls and what percentage yeah. they're at. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is definitely annoying. You have to yeah put in some custom code to like I, I guess you manually basically insert them on that list. So yeah, I was actually uh, out when that happened because of stuff last weekend. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it was it was <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> a little bit of a headache. Awesome. Um. Well, cool. I mean, yeah, that's, I guess that's on the race. I mean, the only other, I guess, maybe final topic, which I don't really want to get too much into, but um, there was a little drama as there always is with the fact that, uh, you know, EU gets the race later. They killed it within quote unquote, the 11 hour head start that NA gets. So technically in terms of time commitment, like, or time invested, we'll say, or I guess time from maybe reset is the best way to describe this. They killed it faster potentially than, than liquid did. Um, Echo did. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, to me, it's, I think at that point, it's whoever kills it first, right? Like if it's not a Xavius type situation where it's like, 
a couple yeah. of days, right? If you make it to the weekend, at least my personal opinion, if, if a boss makes it to the weekend after release, like it's fair game. Like whoever kills it first at that point, you guys have both teams have put enough time in, have probably jumped each other back and forth that, you know, they, um, yeah. it, it's whoever kills it first. The, the, the head start means a little, very little by that point. So, yeah, um, it's, I there's not a great solution because of like we talked about last week because of the amount of time that these take if you do a global release you still run into things like sleep schedules right um this isn't like wow classic where if you do a release and it happens to be at 10 o'clock in the eu and seven o'clock in the u.s both regions can still do it because the race is over in an hour right yeah if you do that kind of release with retail um eu guilds still only get like three hours of rain and they need to go to bed so they can be functional the next day whereas na still is getting you know six eight hours of rain time before they have to go to bed so there's really like it would be closer to equitable but it would still kind of suck yeah, and I think I mean the other the other thing like the race for world first is like one and I like I think it's big to a lot of people who care about rating, but it's like one small component of like wow in general, right? Like right. It, there's there's a bunch of other stuff that sort of sit on that release schedule and it's like changing everything. Like the I guess the way that it, like in my mind it it's confusing if they do it either way. Like the first way is like they just do global releases for patches, for major I guess maybe raid patches, right? Which means like one or two weeks out of the out of every couple months is just going to be off for everybody. Yeah. And whether that's off for NA or off for EU or even off for like to be fair like 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 Asia would also want to be included in this, right? Like that's the other right. side of it. And so like you mess with release schedules for everyone where people might have a set schedule of like okay, like we raid Tuesday nights, but because this week is raid release, we have to raid Wednesday and Thursday because the raid comes out too late for us, right? If they moved yeah. it in an NA perspective, right? Um, or vice versa for for you. So, like, I don't like that aspect of it because it changes it for just a couple weeks all around, like, basically, like, 40 or 50 people, right? The two guilds, right? Is, is yeah. sort of all that it affects. And the other side of it, too, is they do this overall move to, like, the other side of it is, then, okay, well, just do a global release of everything, meaning, like, maintenance windows and everything are the same time for everybody, for every region. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in that case, even worse, because like now someone's getting screwed. Like in the US, it's Tuesday mornings for us, but that's Tuesday afternoons in the EU. Um, if they do it even earlier, it's too early in like the Pacific time zone. So they could do it technically like yeah. super early, like 2, 3 a.m. Basically, EU. time zones suck and global releases are really hard. Yeah, it's just it, there's not a good solution. So I think they just leave it as is and just go forward. Because I mean, it's to be fair, Race World Force is a, such a community driven event that like, I think asking Blizzard to do anything or set up anything just changes the way the race is too much. I could see. So the the thing that makes sense to me, the only real change that makes sense to me is say race the world first happens on the tournament realm. Get rid like that gets rid of splits. It gets rid of this like question of how gear acquisition works. It does mean that people like both guilds basically go in with like this gear from the vendors. Right. Yeah. Um, but it it on the one hand, that's nicer because there's you know, then you don't have to deal with splits. You don't have the first three days of the race being splits. Yeah. Uh 
on the other hand, you miss out on things like the stories from the Vault of the Incarnates race where they had their, I don't remember which Boomkin it was. One of their Boomkin was farming um, no good offensive for, for Rage Feather. Um, yeah. And so there was the like, there was the moment where the Rage Feather dropped for somebody that was in the key and they were trying to like get him to sell them the Rage Feather. And negotiating with him, and it seemed like negotiations negotiations were going bad, and it ended up being that they like gave him a shout out on stream, on the Race the World first broadcast, and then he just gave them the Rage Feather, and that's so awesome. there was that there was that that's like a cool story, and there's community interaction. It's neat, and that would not happen if it were on the tournament realm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's stories like that. Like we like we had we had a paladin who we gave a BOE for that dropped with a double socket. This is mm. when like like it, this was uh it was last expansion, but it was a ring I think that dropped with a double socket because like I, it was one of the BFA expansions where like loot drops at the start were like just screwed up like just yeah really weird, um and yeah he we gave it to him because he's like it's like a drop for him typically like if it something drops you and you're gonna equip it you just get it that was the old purse way personal that worked yeah he, he ended up selling it to to Liquid for a gold cap <laughs> and, <laughs> and not telling us. Oh um, man! Shout out, pretend he's actually still in the guild. He's kind of a, he's an okay dude, but uh, but yeah, no, it's like now we don't have that story of how pretend you know screwed over us and and was able to sell a BOE <laughs> uh, with double socket. So, um, um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I want to touch on before we get into our own prog is actually the fact that Brewmaster was present on every boss kill by the top two guilds. Uh, so they had a Brewmaster on every one. Uh, and I actually wanted to talk a little bit about the talent builds that they played on Sarkarath because there's an interesting difference between the two. Um, and an interesting thing, like if you're looking at talent builds for this tier, for your own play in Raid, kind of like looking at what they did and, and thinking about you know what that means for the overall talent builds that, that you're looking at. Um, so I've got pulled up now. Uh, this is... Uh, I don't, this is Liquid's Brewmaster. I don't remember which of their tanks was playing Brewmaster, but one of them was mm -hmm. playing Brewmaster. Uh, this is a fairly standard talent build. If you look at the Dragonfire Brew talent build that is posted on Peak, this is pretty much the same thing. The main difference is that instead of playing with High Tolerance um, or with uh, Counter Strikes, which are kind of the, the two variations that you'll see, um commonly they play with bountiful brew um which is um proccing bone dust brew uh just as you go on and it's it's a nice build in that it doesn't have a, it doesn't require too much thought it's not playing blackout combo it's not playing charred passions technically the highest dps you can go for if you want to just like go really hard on dps is to play both of those talents uh, but it's really rotationally intensive to do that. And uh, this is a similar, like it's less DPS, but it's similar. Um, that sacrifices the like higher cap for just a much easier uh, rotation mechanically and being able to just kind of like send things on cooldown and not worry about it. Mm -hmm. um, the lack of high tolerance is interesting because traditionally we've seen uh, kind of world first level tanks playing more defensive things and high tolerance is still a pretty good defensive option but it is 
expensive in terms of points. It costs two points. Um, and so they skipped it basically in favor of Bountiful Brew and uh, Chi Surge, uh, which is the Weapons of Order cooldown reduction one. Um, they also are not playing uh, either Light Brewing or um, Black Ox Brew, which is unusual. This is actually in some ways closer to the, like the, the Mythic Plus um, mm. kind of low-key farming setup where you don't play either of those in lower keys because you can just like play training of nia and bob and weave and do more damage gotcha now one thing i do want to highlight is that on the class tree they are playing resonant fists but not cat statue they skipped cat statue in order to pick up uh two points in generous pour which is the uh kind of brewmaster aoe or like monk aoe buff that gives avoidance mm-hmm. um now interesting thing if we look this is Miri's uh talent build a um, few differences. They skipped Chi Surge. They uh, are playing uh, two points in high tolerance instead. Um, and on the class tree, other than that, on the spec tree, it's like more or less the same. Uh, on the class tree, they are uh, playing, in, they've skipped Resonant Fists entirely and they're playing Bounce Back uh, with Black Ox Statue. And generally, you don't pick Blackhawk Statue unless you have a specific use for it. And I suspect the use is to pick up the Null Glimmers efficiently. Um, I wasn't able to tell for the VOD, but I suspect that's the reason. And the fact that they are playing Bounce Back is basically only because pathing requires that you pick Bounce Back in order to reach Blackhawk Statue. But not um, not playing Resonant Fists is a pretty big dps loss as well um so that's just like an interesting thing they are also not playing both points in um in the healing buff aura uh so it's only four percent increased healing instead of eight eight percent so there's like there's some interesting things here but it uh, an important point in both cases they are not playing blackout combo yeah um and in both cases, they are not playing Shard Passions. And, and that is, I think, again, like a concession towards these fights are complicated and hard, and there's a lot for them to be managing without having to add Blackout Combo and Shard Passions to the mix. Uh, neither of them are playing Cat Statue. Again, just another cooldown that you have to manage. Um, but you can kind of just send it on cooldown and be pretty fine, but they both opted for other things that gave more kind of raid-wide defensive value. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I thought that was interesting. We weren't able to look at talent builds for monks really in the last race because yeah. there weren't any. Weren't any, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, especially with like this tier, there's some like back and forth between like, do you play blackout combo? Do you skip it? Do you play charred passions or do you play dragonfire brew? Seeing mm-hmm. both of the world first tanks kind of hone in on this, like we're gonna play dragonfire brew. We're not gonna take blackout combo. Um, it's actually funny the the liquid version of this talent build. Uh, is pretty close to what I played as like my easy mode. Like I'm playing this brewmaster mm-hmm. as my alt last tier. Like I yeah. just jams like uh, jammed a bunch of talents, and like I played rushing jade wind because it's habit, and I've played it for you know 37 years at this point. It feels like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's the button you always want to press. So. Yeah, um, but other than that, it's like a bunch of passives and and just like cooldown reduction and bone dust brew just like procs itself. So if you forget <laughs> to push it, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Still gonna get use out of it. Yeah, that's yeah. Funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it was it was cool. Also, uh, <laughs> fun note 
Fun little thing about the talent trees. Neither tank took interrupt on Sarkareth. It's pretty funny. But that's what your DPS are for, right? Yep, that's what the DPS are for. Yeah, that's funny. Um, no, yeah, it was a, uh, it was an interesting, yeah, it was, uh, I'm trying to think, there was only, I mean, not much Mistweaver play. Uh, Echo ran a Mistweaver for the majority of their fights. Um, they actually killed, they were in on the, the Razageth kill, or sorry, Sakareth kill. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, uh, yeah, not too much difference in what they were playing though, because I think they just played the standard talent build that, that, uh, yeah, they played like the new Yulon build basically. Yeah. Um, for for that, so sort of mirroring exactly what uh, we have sort of in peak is sort of like the basic raid build. So no interesting variations, we'll say. Um, but cool. No, that's yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fun to to sort of get that sort of insight of seeing like what top players are doing because I mean the consensus you always hear, I feel like at a lower level is like tanks just need to do more damage. Like that's all you end up taking, and so yeah. Um, I- one of the things, so like, all right, so Kate's done a ton of work on Brewmaster Sims for this patch and working on the APL and figuring out all this stuff. And uh, it's basically boiled down to two builds, one of which is very similar to what both of these World First tanks were playing. Uh, the main mm-hmm. difference being picking a Bountiful Brew instead of High Tolerance, just dropping High Tolerance. Um, and yeah. that's kind of the more like High Tolerance is a nice passive defensive boost. And if you don't right. need the raid damage, it's pretty free. Um, both of them played slightly more offensive than I would have expected. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting. It's very cool. Like I think this is a very interesting um, kind of byproduct of the change to talent trees. Like this, yeah. is, this kind of variation is not something that we saw basically ever with talent builds in previous expansions uh but here there are actually like kind of noteworthy differences in not only the talent builds of the two top tanks two top brewmasters played but also some some differences to what like the beaker strategy builds are um where they ended up kind of in this midpoint between our like kind of easy mode build just play this and you Mm -hmm. will be fine and the like what kate calls (laughs) the cursed build um because you have so many plates to spin. You have to keep rushing Jade Wind up. You have to keep Shard Passions up. You have to keep uh, Blackout Combo rolling. You have to Blackout Combo every Breath of Fire. And ideally also Blackout Combo every other Keg Smash. And like all this stuff. It's Jeez. And you play it and you like are trying to Weapons of Order all of your cooldowns. And you stack every, It's just a mess. Uh, <laughs> and if you play it well, it's really good. But it's such a mess. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's the the talent diversity has been been fun to watch. I'll say, um, I mean, it's the first time in a while. I know that that Miss Weaver, like we've tracked more than one talent build, right? In terms of like recommendations, yeah. so it's it's cool that that it's in there. Yeah, adds a little bit of expression, we'll say. Yeah, um, and how you do it. So, um, well, cool. Well, that's I mean, that's on sort of the race for world first stuff. Um, See so yeah, again, shout out to Liquid NA brought it home back. You know, trophies back in NA, which is awesome. Um, yeah, Echo was was close. They were right there. So, um, yeah. Well, cool. I guess maybe we talk yeah a little bit backwards. I want to talk a little bit about our progression. Uh, not for too long, just a couple minutes. Um, but yeah, I guess you mentioned. I think you were you went in, you went in last night, and you have forgotten experiments. Did you get any pulls on forgotten experiments last night, or one whole pull? One whole pull. <laughs> nice. We just like Yolo pulled it at the end. Um, we actually so a little bit extra time on Sarkarath. We had some people's like 
alts in and stuff like that just to boost the chance that we get a third omni token uh, yeah. which we did and that was nice um but it was kind of like a little bit messy just from like four healing a 30 player raid yeah or five healing fight. a 30 player raid yeah um it's not fun to heal yeah yeah or it's, so there's there was, a lot of healing to go so there was that and our phase three is still really messy and it's such a like i don't want to spend too much time like working out how to fix up our phase three for heroic because it's so different on mythic yeah um yeah. so none of that translates but you know we ended up spending like an hour on not sarkarath itself but just like uh we were done with it it took like an hour and a half total to go through last two normal plus all of heroic gotcha. um and then we spent way too long on loot oh my god <laughs> yeah we've been getting a little bit better ours ours is a lot easier now because it's literally just no one wants anything but from like the final two bosses and everything else just goes to a healer so it's, yeah it's basically we've cleaned that up um but yeah um yeah we also we also sort of yeah our raid this week was actually really good we got forgotten experiments down and then we're able to get i think we have like 20-ish pulls on rashok um, nice. So we got yeah, experiments down pretty early this week for the first kill, which was nice. That was, I mean, healing, healing any of these fights isn't is not terrible, right? Like I, I it's funny. I've I've not found a fight just yet that I hate. Um, although I will say that like forgotten experiments, the orb that you have to bounce in P three or with the third ad, it comes in absolutely horrible. I hate it. Yeah, like absolutely. It's like I I had I literally and this is so. One of the first attempts I ended up running, like trying to run into the orb, which you should never do. Because what I found is that sometimes it doesn't update that you've triggered it until you're already halfway through it. And then it just bounces, it bounces closer in a to the boss. Direction. Yeah. Well, no, it bounces close to the boss oh. typically. Because oh, I'm like no. running out from the boss into the orb. And That's so like a good I'll run note past for the orb. Us tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, okay. don't, tr basically what we found for orbs is that just plant your feet in the line of it and don't move towards it. So like get close, yeah. but then don't run into it because the, the pathing is is weird with it. Um, so, fun fact about forgotten, forgotten experiments too. Um, do you remember when they fixed on Helandris? Holy priests in spirit form could bounce the balls on Helandris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when they copied the mechanic for forgotten experiments, they didn't copy that bug fix. Oh, really? Yeah. You can be in spirit form and still bounce it. Yeah. Uh, so I watched in a video. I was reviewing videos for this fight. And they had a holy priest die soaking an orb, and it just kept bouncing into them over and over for 15 seconds while they were in spirit form. That is awesome. That's really cool. Uh, we did not do that, but yeah. And then our, I, mean, I don't our, think you do it intentionally, but it was a funny little interaction. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then the other, um, the other issue we ran into was honestly the deep breath in P3. Like the the most hectic part of the entire fight is the when the second adds at 50 percent out health and the third ad comes down like that 50 percent health on the second as you kill it is the most hectic portion of it because you have yeah like a dispel in there you are about to get a set of raid damage and then you have the deep breaths and so it's like a bunch of oh and the mass disintegrates too are, are yeah. coming out so it's it's a lot of like damage overlap because people can have bomb and mass disintegrate and like if they die early then a bomb goes off and then like your dispel yeah. strats are all messed up so yeah yeah um yeah, what we, what we found was, I mean, honestly, what we found to be the most helpful is literally just always mass dispelling. Like, we mass dispel the debuffs, right? But 
always mess the spelling at like a set time regardless of like where other debuffs are like how yeah. close like we basically yeah what we were doing previously was like waiting till a debuff went out and then dispelling but but if you do that too many times you end up with like your previous people at like the the 17 plus stack count oh, which yeah. is very like people die very like just, dangerous yeah. yeah you'll die yeah um but no it was uh it was a fun fight to progress i think we took maybe like 30 ish bulls i want to say on it um i can look it up as we're sort of talking here but um but yeah no it was it was good and then yeah we started on rashok progression which honestly i think is going really well we've we've had a you know a lot of dumb deaths we'll say too um i lied forgotten experience just took us 11 kills so 11 pulls sorry um but yeah rashok um we've had a lot of dumb deaths to waves we'll say yeah and like that's the that's the killing factor right now like i think healing is sketchy but fine um but waves are are killing people and actually clears are killing people really and it's okay well and it's because our people are just not clearing when they should yeah so like so so we had one attempt uh where you know somebody called like we do it in three groups so somebody called group one uh or not somebody but our raid leader called group one and i guess he saw a little bit of damage go out and then he called group two, but group one was still clearing as group two is running in and then oh, we all no. die. And then like, <laughs> I love his, his immediate response was like, do we have an extra healing cooldown there? Did someone miss a healing cooldown? And I'm like, no, I'm like groups one and two basically cleared at the same time. He's like, no, I called them early. I'm like, okay, well like, let's check the logs. And like, you look at the debuff timing and it's like in that poll group one and two literally are the exact same bar, like, like the bars yeah. have the debuff. I'm like, yeah, like you can't, can't clear two whole groups and live. So yeah. Um, but yeah, we just got to clean up that and like clean up standing in fire and, and I think we kill it. So we've gotten it to, I guess, 33%, which um, is okay. Um, yeah. It's sort of hitting the the second the second intermission. Um, and yeah, it's just that final, the final part's going to be interesting because you can't clear debuffs anymore. So the damage really ramps up at the end. Yeah. So it's sort of keeping it together. Damage ramps up not only on that, but I was looking at how much damage you take from Searing Slam and the last one, the ninth Searing Slam uh, is 550k damage yeah which like basically everybody that is going to be around 95 percent of your health Mm -hmm. which just means that without you know damage reduction or like rally and cry kind of cooldowns the last one one shots the raid yeah yeah it's super super sketchy so um yeah we haven't gotten there just yet but hopefully that that isn't an issue so Um, Yeah. yeah we'll go back in there it's funny we have We've done we've done our one extra mythic day um, for most raids. So Monday will be our our extra mythic day, our only extra mythic. Like we do one extra day a tier basically, and so we basically had the choice last week of doing last Monday, um, and and going in and getting uh, getting extra time on experiments or waiting till vaults and stuff, yeah. and another reclear. And we ended up waiting. Um, so yeah, it was a good good raid week. Nice. So yeah, we went in and our reclear, like Her- Heroic Sarkareth was a little bit messy. Mm-hmm. Mythic reclear was incredibly smooth. One shot, oh, nice. um, one shot Kazara, which was actually a pretty big pain point last week. Um, we two shot Zakali, and the only reason it wasn't a one shot is one of the ads slipped through again. Just like an oh, ad slipped no. through and just hit the door. Uh, and it just, that's an immediate raid wipe. It just it instantly oh. kills like half the raid. Um, yeah. And then the second time it was like fine. Uh, we just like killed the boss. Um, I, I do have our, one real oh. quick. Just one Zakali tech thing is okay. 
So we got a molten the molten ad thing spawn as we pushed him over. Right. They cancel their channel. Yes. And they run to the raid. So I don't know if people didn't know that, but yeah, like we were very concerned. Like our, we were just like, just run to the boss. Well, he somehow heal through the AOE damage and like everything yeah. will be okay. And then the ad just followed you over. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just follow. Just like immediately cancel their channel, right, like ran over. So um, yeah. it was a little bit tough to deal with the debuffs, but I mean, did not know, deal with the channel. All of the criticism that we leveled at Blizzard as not just like us on this podcast, right. but us as a community for all of the like push timer nonsense over yeah. the past two expansions, this raid is incredibly good at making oh, yeah. sure there's no like really miserable push timers or anything like that. Like forgotten experiments, all the timers run in the background. Um, you yep. can't change what overlaps there are. The only thing you can do is like you can you can stop damage to skip like push right after a mechanic would have happened. Mm -hmm. um, but that's like the only thing you can do. And there's like kind of a breakpoint in raid DPS where it stops making sense to even push slower. Instead, yep. you just push faster and you instead of pushing like after the second, you know, debuff goes out, you push right after the first debuff would go out. And so it actually interacts really nice with with just overall raid DPS going up. Um, and then stuff like Assault of the Zakali, if you push while a Mystic is out, they just follow you over. Um, and it's just, in general, like, really nicely done. Like, the yeah. only thing that really feels, I think, bad with awkward push timers is if you push on Sarkareth from Phase 1 to Phase 2 while you have dread out or a tank debuff out or a bomb out those people like the dread has to get dispelled and you have to do that or a tank bomb or a dps bomb has to go downstairs mm -hmm. and yeah. kind of like I, I the mythic strat that that liquid was using was actually to send everybody downstairs for it um but for heroic it kind of just feels bad so yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah so like then we went we did what's what people are calling the Honolulu strat because Honolulu was the first guild that we know of to to do this. Um, yeah, where you don't swap like you don't nobody swaps sides in phase yep. one. You just swap the bosses. Yeah, I love this strat. It's a, such a good strat. We we technically have two pulls on amalgamation chamber because we yoloed one pull at the end of raid last week, <laughs> um, and it, we just one shot it on yeah. Friday this week. That's um, awesome. And our kill was not clean, but our phase one was very clean. Yeah. Uh, we ended up uh, losing like five people uh, a minute and a half into phase two because they were stacked when Shadow of Flame happens and just immediately cleared on each other. And it turns out that clearing four times, uh, like taking the damage from clearing four times, just immediately one shots you. Yeah. Yeah. We've, that's how we lost people this week too. Our, our, our clear amalgamation, not clean, but we got it done. <laughs> After a pull or two, so that's um, awesome. So what we're looking at tonight is we're going into Forgotten Experiments. From what we've seen, um, a lot of guilds take around what you guys did, around like 10, 15 pulls. Yeah. And so that's going to be like an hour to uh, one to two hours of raid time, which means that we got to be prepared to spend a couple hours on Rashok and yeah. not have that be a waste of time. Yeah, um, Rashok, Rashok is... Um, progression has been fun. I'll say the, the one... The only issue that we saw was there is some weird uh like when the so the new mythic mechanic is there's like a a puddle that goes down that you have to use the charge jump slam thing to clear one of two they're two sorry two swan at a time 
And when they expire or they explode, they put an absorb shield on the raid. And so yep. the idea is you basically need to clear um, clear ones so you don't get a double absorb shield and eventually die, just die, basically, um, with yeah. the jump slam. And what we found is that um, we can bait them off fairly well, except right before the second, right around the second intermission, that, that, I guess it's like the fourth jump um, that he does, if I remember correctly. Um, we found sometimes they don't spawn near each other. We had one yeah. spawn literally by the door and the second one spawned back where he spawns. <laughs> and like, then it's like, well, where do you run to? And like, yeah, it's sort of, you get, you get a little, little confused. Cause that one that's super close to it, we've never, we never drop a puddle there. And yeah. Like we always go to a further one and it, yeah, it confuses a little bit. But other than that, I mean, Rashok, it's funny. The intermission damage as a healer is a lot less. And the actual scary parts are it's the charge the, smash. It's the charge smash. The it's the absorb shield plus charge smash combo into debuff clears. Yeah, like that that yeah. combo. Of, I was actually, looking at that for healing CDs, and that yeah. combo is around thirty million damage to the raid. It's like twenty-seven to thirty million yeah. damage to the raid. Um, for like context on what that number means, right? The raid as a whole has around ten million health combined. Mm-hmm. Um, right around there right now people DPS have around 500 500 to 600,000 health so 30 million damage to the raid is everyone's health bar three times over yeah over like a 20 second period yeah it's, it's a, a lot it's, of damage it's a ton of damage yeah so I mean that's the that's the dangerous part the intermission I mean don't get me wrong the intermission is still a lot of healing you can't forget about it but like you can't commit healing cds to it so you gotta yeah i actually am after this podcast gonna be going and doing healing cds for for rashok and uh yeah the the basically what i was looking at is it looks like the first searing slams you just kind of this fight is really nice there's no background damage yeah so if a searing slam happens and there's just a ton of time after it like which happens on two of the three every phase there's just nothing after it for like 15 seconds Mm -hmm. you can kind of like just let regular old healing top people back up on the later ones you kind of have to put it looks like to me you kind of have to put healing cds there because it does so much damage that natural like regular old healing is not going to top people in time right yeah but on the early ones where it's only doing like 150k damage you just like let regular you know rejuvenation and efflorescence and you know renewing mist and all that stuff just like top people yeah so yeah trickle them up yeah yeah but no, Rashok's been fun. I mean, the goal is to get it down for us tomorrow and then um, set us up for, for a good good third week, we'll say, of progression. So, Have you looked um, at Skarn at all? No, that's what I'm doing uh, later today. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, I'm not, not looking forward to that. <laughs> I have spent very little time looking at it because um, it's still a couple bosses away for us. But one thing that has been on my mind is I've he- heard a lot about people three-tanking this fight. And yeah. your tank, your third tank only does bombs, basically. Interesting. So that's going to be I something. What that, that probably probably be looking at that. We'll probably be talking about that next week because I expect both mm-hmm. of us will be working on Skarn. Yeah. Next week, if not, well. So the stuff I've seen so far, Rashok is around a day of rate progression, like a four-hour block of rate progression, four to five hours. Yeah. And then Skarn is like five to six. Yeah. Um, so like we we may not be killing Skarn next week, but. We might be. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, but yeah, that's that's progression. So we, I mean, I, I didn't really mention it, but we had a, a super clean, normal, and heroic 
Uh, I, I hopefully we drop normal this week coming up. We'll see. Because we, yeah. I think we've got everybody four piece, but one of our healing paladins. So they'll just get priorities for heroic. That let's see. I have one piece of tier. It is the guaranteed Omni token that you get from the achievement. Oh no! Yeah, we, and that's we've been like super screwed on zenith tokens just in general oh, really? so gotcha. the zenith people that we have that have four piece got it basically by us giving them multiple omni tokens from sarkareth yeah nice yeah we Which, have been oh, sorry it, that's a really nice thing about the omni tokens is it lets us yeah. kind of make up for that rng versus last year we had like venerated that got nothing while we were literally giving warlocks dreadful tokens to roll for tertiaries yeah i feel like the warlock tier that always drops like like candy whatever token a warlock's on like that's the token you want to be on so yeah i mean we we um we basically like we do we've gotten really lucky with our spread we also third we also 30 man uh sakurath on both normal and heroic yeah. for the three tokens so we'll pull in like alts or like people's friends just be like hey you're gonna trade the gear but you can come for a kill right and get yeah you know AOTC or whatever so we did that um we did i think 28 people this gotcha. week on normal and heroic Sarkareth. And we just happen to like that. There's a 20% chance you don't get that third token, but we yeah. high rolled in both cases and we got three Omni tokens oh, nice. on both kills. So um, we haven't done all of normal in main raid though. So we are missing like some like people who showed up to, you know, the off night, we're going to clear the first seven yeah. in normal kind of thing. Got some tokens there, but just because it's fewer people, there are fewer tokens yeah. because we're not doing it in main raid. A lot of people don't get them. Um, so we're, I think, missing four people's tier sets, including mine. Um, gotcha. But like, I'm actually at the point that I have taken off my old tier set just to put on eye level because I can put on a bunch of like 440 pieces over. Yeah. This was an alt last year, right? I don't have all mythic tier. I have gotcha. uh, a little bit of heroic tier, a little bit of mythic tier. So I ended up just like taking it off because I could get multiple slots like 30 eye level gains and nice. that's like just enough that the old tier set's not that great it's good but it's not 30 eye levels good uh and new tier set i just don't have yet so i'm like lowest on the priority list for the new tier set basically nice nice yeah you're looking at actually we have we have three people that don't have it i forgot um but one's two healers and then one's a druid that's out for the next uh, week week and a half so um passed it passed it over her so but you know that's i mean progression's going well i'm i'm excited i like honestly looking at the rest of the boss that we have left there's not one that i'm dreading or one that i think will be like not fun and then i mean the bosses we are killing like even though most people give assault i think a bad name like i don't think it's it's an easy fight and you can control how fast it goes right like that's the biggest thing is like yeah i mean i'm not waiting like a fun fight the the most frustrating part of about assault i there's two frustrating pieces one needing the mortal strike on the boss when he starts to heal yeah um we ran into that last week right where mm-hmm. we didn't have the mortal strike on the boss uh when it started to heal and we just like threw away multiple pulls to that and then we fixed it and it was fine uh and then the other one is the ads the wall climbers just like sneaking past and just like yeah. any of them getting through just being an instant raid wipe right um yeah that's you basically that's pretty annoying we ended up we wiped to that twice during progression i think i'm like yeah yeah and so we basically assign someone each side so one person each side literally all they do is watch the corner because that's right. t- technically where they're going to come from so like, that's a couple pro tips if you're a brewmaster 
Black Ox statue will pick them up. Oh, so nice. it is worth taking that. And whichever side you're on of your like platform, like you guard one corner and you put your Black Ox statue on the other corner and then nothing gets through. And so yeah. that's really good. Um, the other thing is if you're not a brewmaster, if you're just a DPS or a healer, the wall climbers don't hit very hard. They hit like a world mob. Yeah. Um, so you can actually, it's super safe for you to just like hit them. Like throw mm-hmm. a moon fire, throw a star fire, you know, whatever you can do, like spinning crane kick, whatever to just hag them. And as soon as anything touches them, they will stop going towards the door and they will start, you know, following threat and following people around. So it's actually super safe even to pick up multiple of these ads and bring them to the tank. And those yeah. are both good ways to avoid the wipes that we had. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a really good tip. So but yeah, no, I think yeah, I'm I'm super excited for for the rest of Prague and yeah, even even repro even like reclears aren't aren't terrible. They're fun. So um yeah. It's it's I like this raid so far. I am worried Skarn is the fight that worries me. That's the fight that worries me, is like this could kind of be awful. But yeah. it also doesn't look like it's taking too long, so it's not gonna be like a um you know, an Anduin, you know, three weeks of Anduin Prague, the fight's miserable kind of deal it's going to be like if it's a bad fight it's a bad fight that we get through in one to one and a half nights kind of deal yeah exactly exactly um well cool i think maybe jump off our progression for a bit and head do this podcast in reverse and sort of start with the news we'll say for the stories from last week since we spent you know the the first half talking a ton about yeah race forward first and then just prog in general so um so cool a couple of maybe a couple of sort of news stories or, or sort of things that came out last week one is um so if you weren't aware about a oh it's god it's been a while ago now like six or six or eight months um microsoft announced that they were going they were trying to acquire or going to acquire activision blizzard um which i'm super excited for if this does go through um but there's a bunch of um sort of potential pushback from just governments and regulators and things like that Right. So, um, you know, Blizzard and or Activision and Microsoft have been working through that together. Um, been some interesting things coming from Microsoft. So if you're not too familiar, like Microsoft committed to like making, uh, what is it like Call every of Call of Duty available, yeah. like for the Switch, not for PlayStation, but for like the Switch, like for the Nintendo systems, like moving forward and stuff like that. Um, just because PlayStation did some weird stuff to them too. So yeah, I mean, there's been a bunch of announcements around it, but we've now started to hear governments weigh in essentially. So governments have come back with their assessment. And so we didn't talk about this, but a couple of weeks ago, um, the Britain or the UK uh, denied or said they're not going to approve the merger, which was the first major government to come out and say they weren't going to approve it. And it's kind of a big deal. But then we got some two very, two good pieces of news. If you care about this, you want this to go through the EU approved it. Um, which is again, Britain is or UK is not a part of the EU. They're two separate things. Uh, but the EU, <laughs> but the EU uh, approved it, and then so did China. China also approved it, which is which is huge. Um, and so yeah, so we saw basically you know two of the largest, uh, with China being the largest economy or um, like yeah, game economies, approving the merger, which is great. I don't think the US has have their has has had their official um, response yet. Um, yeah. But with the EU and China approving it, like there's a going to be a ton of pressure. Like, yeah, I mean, I suspect that uh, it's funny, a bit of Schadenfreude, but because of Brexit, Britain may not have a say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they just aren't 
big enough to big have enough a say. Too. They gave away their collective bargaining power by leaving the EU. Uh, yeah. I, I just think that's really fucking funny. Yeah, um, exactly. It was it was uh, funny too because like I was I mean I have a couple of friends who work at Activision or, or work for them right, um, and a couple other friends who play the stock market. And they were a little upset with the first piece of news because, you know, it meant that potentially the merger falls through. Um, also meant that they started to gamble a little bit on puts. Um, you know what that is on Activision. Thinking their stock price would go down. But yeah, with the news for the EU and China both approving it, like at this point, that's a huge, it's a huge, it's now like less likely to occur than when yeah. the first news of like the UK yeah. came out of them, them denying it. So. Uh, um, I think the the only thing that could really stop it now is the FTC coming in and saying no, yeah, yeah. this isn't happening. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but yeah, good news if you care about Microsoft uh, Blizzard Activision Blizzard merger. I would love to see Activision's catalog on Game Pass for Microsoft, uh, just because it's I have to subscribe to that thing anyway. So here's a here's a fun thought. Do you think that they would put World of Warcraft subscription as part of Game Pass? Oh, I've so fun. When this news came out, I thought about that. I don't. Uh, if they do, it will be a like a couple of years from now. So like if the merger okay. went in like next year, I'd say like two or three years beyond the merger, they might do something like that. It won't be a very mm -hmm. immediate thing. Um, I think WoW. I think the WoW subscription is enough to stand on its own, and I think they'd need a lot of time to like integrate like a lot of the companies together where it made sense from like a cost perspective to right um to, 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 to fold it all together but yeah i mean it'd be i mean i think outside of that though i think a lot of the single well blizzard doesn't put out single player games anymore but a lot of the activision <laughs> single player games uh could come to game pass and i'd be all for that so um so cool so then um in other news uh there was a korean interview with ian hazakostis and holly oh, i always forget holly's last name um holly longdale um, and so they went over a couple of things. There's actually some very interesting things in this interview. So it's a very short interview. It's only about 20 minutes. Um, the, the, you know, the, the commentator of course is speaking Korean, but they do sort of subtext all the questions and then, you know, Ian and, and Holly's answers are in English. So, um, don't worry about having to learn Korean to visit this, but they talked about a couple of different things. I think the first up is that like, um, you know, they Blizzard in general is happy with the way Dragonflight has come out. They're happy with the way, um, like the community feedback's been great for them, um, and all that fun stuff. But they did talk a little bit about like the f the more f the changing to a more frequent patch cycle, right? Yeah. And they're basically came out. This is the first time I ever heard this. Is that they shoot? They're shooting for a six to ten week, ten week patch cadence, meaning every six to ten weeks a new patch comes out, which is so, crazy. <laughs> for reference, Legion <laughs> actually was close to this. Legion had an eleven week patch cycle. Yep. In general, um, we basically got every 11 weeks, which is, for those keeping track at home, about three months, mm -hmm. um, just just shy of three months, we had a new major or minor patch. And so if you look at Legion, um, everything 7.0 through 7.3.5, if you do the math, that is around two and a half years, mm -hmm. which is what Legion was. Um, and then BFA had like there was the dead period after 7.3.5 um where they were working on bfa um so this is like even more frequent um generally i'm happy with it we've had like we've talked about patch stuff almost non-stop since the release of the yeah. expansion um and that kind of steady flow of stuff is good one of the other things they talk about in this kind of jumping around a little bit is um 
balancing more frequency, more frequently. Mm -hmm. Some of that is the more frequent patches because they, uh, it seems like do the the bigger like talent tree changes as part of patches. Um, Probably due to just general, like they need to update the client and get stuff localized, all of that stuff that goes into a patch that can't Mm -hmm. necessarily be hot fixed. But then also in between patches, doing hot fixes, you know, tuning classes, all this stuff that has been a lot more frequent. Like we we have had in less than the span of a patch, more changes to Brewmaster than it got for the entirety of Battle for Azeroth and Shadowlands. Yeah. Yeah. And that's crazy. Uh, but, but Brewmaster feels really good right now. Like I, I played like I played Blood DK in mm-hmm. 10.0 because it was really good in Raid. And Blood DK is fun. It's really fun. It has its own problems, but it's fun. And I came back to Brewmaster for this patch, and it's just like a blast to play. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, they, they, yeah, the, the more frequent patches allows them to do that. And I think it, it comes with, I think, like two, two sort of things. Like on the, on the tuning side of it, they definitely can tune more. They also mentioned that like a lot of it is sometimes the tuning that they end up doing isn't numbers based, but it's perception based, which is, I think we've talked a little bit about this. Like this was something that, um, that Dota 2 or Dota was notorious for in that, like in many cases, they would make changes to heroes fairly frequently, but they make changes just to make changes. Like it's not that the yeah. heroes were bad or that they thought they were overpowered or under tuned. It was more of just like from a community point of view, nobody played it. So let's make a change of just a random change to it and maybe people will play it and it'll be something yeah. new, right? League um, of Legends did the same thing historically. Like that that was actually at one point in one of the dev interviews, they said, yeah, these like changes are like 2% buffs to a champion. Like it doesn't matter that the buff didn't actually meaningfully ch- impact their like numbers. The, yeah. fa- the fact of the matter is in the patch notes, you see buffs to the champion and it's a little bit less clear. Like I think WoW actually is worse about this because they'll give a class something that is literally like a 1% buff. Yeah. And the patch note says increased, you know, frost, death, night damage by 1%. And everybody reads that, and it's obvious that it's just 1%, and it's not going to move the needle. Yeah. But then you look at these other game patch notes, and it's like, increased potency of this spell or this, you know, ability by 50. And it's like, oh my god, they got a buff. Yeah. Never mind that it actually works out to a 1% increase on that spell or something like that. Exactly. Um, And so, like, Brewmaster actually had a little bit of this in the patches that buffed Brewmaster. Brew, uh, there was a bunch of doom and gloom about Brewmaster going into the expansion, um, mm-hmm. which was largely unfounded and just based on bugs. <laughs> and yeah. um, there are two changes that both individually are not huge. Mm-hmm. Like there was the reduction in cooldown of Celestial Brew, um, which mattered for like Diurna because it lets you Celestial Brew every tank hit. And that that was like it. Um gotcha. It's like generally good, but it's not like game breaking. It's not massively buffing them. And then there's the magic stagger change, which honestly, like, was a nice quality of life change, mm-hmm. but doesn't didn't really impact the peak of what you could do. It was more of like a quality of life change. If you weren't mapping out your cooldowns, it made it easier to deal with magic damage. Um, and so like each individually didn't really move the cap. Mm-hmm. Both kind of increased the this the floor or like how how much value you could get out of the spec. Um but both look like really big buffs, right? Right. Yeah. And things that people have been asking for for a while. And so that was like 
people went back and reevaluated Brewmaster, and now like Brewmaster is one of the top tanks and and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it would be good if they continue with that, and maybe some of the changes they need to make are, you know, things that are just hard to evaluate for a regular player. Yeah, like it doesn't matter if a theory crafter can tell you, yeah, it's a five percent buff to this ability. If it looks like it's like if you as a regular player look at it and go, I can't tell how big this is, but it looks big. Yeah, that's I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, I think the other thing too is they also like they mentioned about this class balance piece. Like in the past, they were worried about ups up like unsettling players. I mean, like frequent changes means like you you change the way you play more often, and or like you change certain skills being good or bad. Um, but the inverse of that is also true where it's like if you go longer without changes then the player base thinks changes are never coming meaning like right if you're only making class changes once every six months and your class misses one of those six months then you're going a year potentially without class changes or like you know right. eight months and at which, that point you might as well re-roll yeah exactly you might as well just play a different class that's that's seeing changes so no huge fan of that i mean funny that they mentioned the whole like it's sometimes it's just a perception thing they make changes for um and then the other thing too, just about the, the the faster patch schedule outside of tuning, is that they've also what they also mentioned was that like when they used to do longer patch cycles, everything had to make it. So like yeah. if any content that missed a patch window suffers the same problem as class tuning, is like you're then waiting another six months, and maybe the content's no longer relevant for that, right? Yeah. Now with the shorter patch cycles, they're able to like like I, I don't think they really said this, but the idea is they can tent pull or they can anchor a patch on a certain feature and then what else, whatever else they can fit in, they will. But if something doesn't make it, there's another they one in three months. Patch. Yeah. yeah, there's another one in three months and it's it's not not as big of a deal. So um, yeah. so yeah, no, it was very insightful in, in terms of that and how they're thinking about it. And um, and yeah, um, I don't think the rest of it, I mean, the rest of it was sort of just a little bit about account-wide progression and how they continue to look at that, right? Um, and the idea that they want to push players more towards like they think they do a very good job of of catering to like PvP players, small group instance like PvE players, and then rating, right? Of course, like Mythic Plus rating, very solid. But the one gap I think they have are just the outdoor environment players, like the players who yeah. don't do organized content, might do solo stuff, might do just like like world quests out in the world stuff. So I talked about this last week with the hardcore stuff. I really yeah. just think they need to take a long, hard look at what progression like leveling tuning is like and be mm -hmm. like okay solo outdoor play is pro like solo outdoor play is probably not at max level yeah and i think they keep trying to push this like solo outdoor play at max level and i mean that like again i'm going to go back to the kind of player that i was before they kind of abandoned all outdoor play period mm -hmm. right like prior to um mists pretty much i just like did was a solo player solo content leveled characters had a great time mm -hmm. cataclysm hit like i did all of the zones on different characters so i don't have lore master unfortunate um but um like then the new cataclysm zones were not as didn't have as much replay value so i started switching over to doing like arenas with friends and things like that low twos and like i have I have the brutal uh, whatever it is achievement for like doing a bunch of games, winning a bunch of games, but none of the achievements for getting good rating, which nice. tells you about how good we were. Nice. Um, and uh, then with Mop, it just like, there was just no gameplay really outside of max level. Yeah. Like you leveled once through every zone and that was it. 
there was yeah. nothing else there and like that represents a pretty good time sink so as far as like actual amount of time playing that is a lot of time um but even now i can still go back and i'm playing hardcore characters right now i have a rogue up to level 15 on the hardcore server the unofficial nice. hardcore server um nice. that um it is it is different and fun and replayable and I think that they could learn a lot from that if they stop trying to make it max level content. Yeah. 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 And it's, I, in my mind, it's always a, it's a, it's a give and take, right? Because you have the idea of like, you need something for kind of both sets of players, right? You need something for your max level players to do that's outside of just mythic plus and rating. Right. And then you also need something to your point from a leveling point of view. It's not, I mean, for me, the leveling stuff like that, that, that almost is like an expansion type feature or overhaul yeah. and then like it sort of sits till the next expansion and maybe they change it right I, I i think blizzard just the way that people play games nowadays like the idea of like constantly providing the same level of updates you do at max versus like to your sort of yeah. leveling or like your below max level content just, i think it's a too much of I, an undertaking and i don't think they necessarily need to do that right like um a couple things in legion in patch 725 they did an overhaul of tuning of all of the low-level content. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a pretty big change, massive improvement to the leveling experience overall. Removed a lot of stuff where both players could one-shot mobs pretty consistently, and mobs mm -hmm. would one-shot players pretty consistently. Yeah. Um, and so smooth a lot of that out. Uh, that was, on the whole, a great change. They did more of that work in BFA. Um, one of the things that I think they will ultimately struggle with if they try and do this is just that zone design doesn't support the gameplay yeah. loop as well as it did in vanilla. And I don't think that that was a part of the post-cataclysm kind of zone design um, until like BFA. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that they need to do the same level and frequency of like patches for yeah. low-level content. Cataclysm leveling has not changed, and people have kind of made their own game, and they're getting official hardcore servers, and that's all really cool. Yeah. Um, but official hardcore servers didn't come out for over six years after mm -hmm. Classic, like the re-release of Classic. And people have been doing this more or less since day one of the re-release of Classic. And it's been a popular thing in um, private servers as well for a while. And so I don't think that they need to have as many updates as long as they get the core gameplay loop of the leveling process to a point that it is fun and that you can have fun kind of going through the process yeah. and the experience on each of the different specs. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's probably just for me. Like, I, I, I and that's don't... Not yeah that's I don't, not for I don't, everybody there's a yeah, lot of raiders like, that like the the 60 dollars on the leveling boost is the best thing they've ever added i i will yeah it's i would agree yeah because i don't i and i think it's just when i for me personally when i go and play classic i i am playing a different game and so i'm playing mm -hmm. it differently versus like on retail i literally could care less about leveling like i i yeah the, you will never i think at this point i shouldn't say never but in my mind i will never care about leveling on retail the only thing that it will, I will care about is if I have to do it and it's annoying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like, I have definitely, there's characters that I've leveled because I want them for raid, right? Yeah. I leveled my monk and my DK and I did my monk kind of the slow way. 
just like experiencing the dragonfly content right mm -hmm. um and my dk i like did the fast way and because i wanted it for raid and that ended up being my main last tier and so i needed to level it the fast way so i could have it ready right um but then there's other stuff like i've leveled you know a rogue and a mage and all this other stuff just in my free time and um it would be nice if the leveling content were tuned a bit differently at least from my perspective yeah yeah that's fair that's fair i could definitely i mean i could definitely see it it's just yeah from from my point of view it's like that's the that's what classic is for yeah <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean so yeah um, it's just like i it, it would be cool to like have the ability to do that and then at the end of it you have a character you can play on retail that's because like i don't want to do raids on classic i'm sorry they're bad no like, i don't they're yeah. they're not bad bad but they're like i, I don't want to like i would rather do keys than do ulduar and yeah, that's and just I, the way it is i think my problem is like i i like i did those fights when they were current like so that's the that's the biggest problem with classic ready and i've realized i realized that when i tried to level and like I leveled in Wrath, got my Hunter up, started doing like weekly stuff on my Hunter for probably like two or three weeks to like get ready for raiding. And I'm like, I literally did this like 12 years ago. Like I don't, I don't want to do Hodir dailies. I don't want to like, like, like run through heroics, like yeah. Garkeep and everything like that. Like I don't want to do um, like Nax because I like, number one, opening Nax of, of Wrath was a joke of like, it was like yeah. an extended five man, like for, yeah. for most of it. So it's like, the hardest thing was getting the immortal achievement for having like no one in your raid die like that week. And it was like, can like our two just people who can't tie their shoes, you know, correctly. Can they not walk in anything for two hours as we clear this? Right. <laughs> uh, was like the most difficult part of it. So, um, that um, and like, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of, you know, from the interview perspective, it's a, it's a quick interview. It's like 20 minutes long. There's a couple of good, I think we've hit really all the interesting tidbits, but Take a listen if you you know you want to hear Holly and, and Ian talk. Um, Holly again, super happy she's on the team. She's a really good, really good perspective. I think and like the, I think I feel like the roadmap is like her like child of like that's what she <laughs> put together for this team. It was like we need a roadmap and like has been pushed for that. So um, so cool. So um, not too much more time left. I think there's only two other topics I really wanted to hit. I know we had a couple extra ones on the list, but um, I think. First up is, again, as Blizzard's been doing, they've done a massive tuning pass on Mythic Plus this week, um, adjusting something in pretty much every dungeon, uh, both boss-wise and trash-wise. Um, a couple of notable ones, just to sort of to get these out there, is Treemouth and Brackenhide got changed. Um, there's been a visibility thing, but then also the cooldown, I think, on the Grasping Vines and Consume was increased. Uh, which basically means you probably only get like I don't know key level wise. But if you're doing like your 16, 17s range, um, you should probably only get one of those in the fight. Yeah. Maybe a second one right at the end. Um, There's so also the cooldown change means that now it is permanently desynced from Vine Whip. So yeah. one of the things that could happen before that we talked about last week actually I think is you can get Vine Whip while a tank is consumed, which makes it very difficult to control facing of that mechanic because the tank is consumed and can't move. Right. Um, and so if you had it set at a bad, bad angle and didn't realize it and then vine whip happens. Yeah. People die. Yeah. It's rough. Um, so yeah, so there, the, uh, some big changes there and then, um, 
yeah, there's been just general changes across the board for like mostly damage reductions or like um, time increases. Um, yeah. Like Dragul and Natharian's Lair, the final boss got a couple of changes to the timings of like his abilities, like the flames from the craters that form uh, only damage every five seconds instead of three now. So that's been increased again, which is yeah. makes that boss not too bad. So um, the the sorry. one thing that really has stood out to me this week in terms of trash is the sure strike uh, attack that some of the mobs have in uh, Vortex Pinnacle. So what this is, is an instant cast. There's no cast time. Uh, hit on the tank. It does a bunch of physical damage. And by a bunch, I mean um, 400k <laughs> on on like an 18. Jesus, um, yeah. And post-mitigation on my DK, right? And every pack where these mobs appear, there's two of them and they can sync up. So you can just like randomly get get nuked for a million damage out of nowhere. And outside of having a timer on the mob's nameplate to keep track of it, there's really very little you can do to deal with it. Um, so I feel like that one needs like blazing uh, slash in Neltharis is like similar. It's fire damage, but there's a one second cast time. So you can kind of see it going. And so like if you're playing a, well, anything really, you can mm-hmm. hit a defensive in that in that one second window, and it's a pretty tight reaction time. But you can react to it versus, like, or you know, be proactive with it. And like, okay, the cast is starting. I'm going to hit vampiric blood. I'm going to hit dampen harm. I'm going to hit right. diffuse magic in the blazing slash case because it's fire damage, and you can diffuse it. Right. Um, the ones in vortex pentacle you can't. So like the two packs that those are in, um, brewmaster has it pretty easy because not only is it dodgeable. It's physical damage, and so it staggers Stagger. very well. Yeah, um, you can't literally just stagger it because there's a bunch of other damage going out too. And if it lines up badly, taking eight hundred thousand damage, even if you stagger, you know, seventy percent of it, you're still taking like two hundred fifty k damage to the face from physical damage in an instant. Yeah. And if it happens to line up with other damage, it can just kill you. Um, so you have to be careful about it. But like. I ended up just like rotating cooldowns to keep them up, keep a cooldown up basically a hundred percent of the time on that those trash pulls to try and not die to sure strike and like that's maybe yes. overkill on brewmaster but for blood decay you absolutely have to and like vengeance you just die you just die <laughs> you just get killed that's hilarious uh prot warrior you're probably fine because of like shield block and everything and guardian yeah. druid it I I don't I don't have enough familiarity familiarity with Guardian Injury, but I think if you can like maintain max stacks of Iron Fur, you're probably fine. But then gotcha. like Blood Decay and Vengeance are just like in the ground. <laughs> just get hope it doesn't sink up. Yeah. 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 Um. But yeah, no, it's yeah. I think in general, yeah, tons of nerfs across the board, which I think are always a good thing. I mean, I will tell you, this week was like just easier in general from last week uh, in keys across the board for me. And I, I don't know if that's just keys are easier, people know what to do, or the fact that I gained 10 item level. <laughs> I think it's a <laughs> little bit of both. Probably all of those together. But yeah, no, it's been a been a massive jump in eye level. And yeah, they weren't, they weren't I, too, too bad. I think week, we're so. at the point now where basically every key, we can just press W, pull one pack at a time, play it safe, and time the key as long as we just don't wipe. You just yeah. don't wipe, you play it safe, and you can get your 20 portal and be done with the instance. And you know, uh, week two is maybe a little bit soon for that to be the case on the 20. Yeah. But 
it is it is pretty chill yeah it's not too bad also after Um, two weeks i have to say not having a seasonal fix is great thundering was a pain in the rear and not literally just not having thundering in these dungeons is really nice there's enough yeah. other they were 100 correct to not put another seasonal effects in with the new slate of dungeons because there's just enough other stuff to learn oh yeah yeah no it's a, it's a it's a really good change um i the and the and the way the new affix has come in at what key levels i think is a great change too um, yeah so yeah no really hats off to blizzard all around with the pluses it's actually fun this season so um well, cool. And then maybe the final thing we touch on, which is just maybe a, a quick little intro, is that um, Blizzard did put out a blue post just in terms of like talking a little bit about the fragment and crest system uh, in upcoming, upcoming basically. And so one of the concerns that people have come out with, which really isn't my concern, but people have talked about it, and that's why I want to talk about this, is that um, they're thinking about moving all the crests and fragments to a currency tab uh, for a future season. So it won't happen this season, of course. Um, but the idea is, you know, potentially moving all of that stuff in your inventory into a currency tab and going from there um, will be interesting if they do that. But then the second point, which is actually the more important point of what they said, is they are also discussing how to help players who have capped on a given tier of crest uh, and what to do from there. So, like, for example, if you cap on aspect crests, technically doing more content that drops aspect crests is pointless for you to do because you will now get, we will gain nothing from that other than it's kind of potential not because- gear gear right the end of dungeon well, drops yeah but if you're so and this is where we this is where the issue i think actually comes in is when you talk about lower crests so when you yeah. talk about like outside of aspects which are the top level ones but like worms and i don't think dragon is it dragon scales are the ones drake drake. drake drake sorry um less about drake but i think worm is the worst defender of this is that like i am having to do 11 to 15s to get worm crests to upgrade yeah. gear through like the middle section and it's just yeah in my mind, that's like I don't care about the gear at this point. Like, technically, if I get an item from one of these things, it's an upgrade. I'll use it and I'll upgrade it, right? But the idea is like the only reason I'm in there is because I need worm crests to upgrade my either normal or heroic tier sets, right? And it's just a, yeah. it is, it is honestly awful. Like, I don't, I understand why the system is. I think the upgrade system as a whole is amazing. I think it's much better than what we had. It's like not as confusing as I thought it was going to be once you get into it. Um, yeah. it's actually super straightforward, which is like surprising. It's, like <laughs> it's one of those things where if you, if you read about it, you look at tables, you look at statistics, yeah. you look at all these numbers. It's, uh, like, it's hard to understand it all from like a spreadsheet, Yeah, but then you play with it and it honestly, like, and I said this before and yeah. like, it's really just fine. Like it's very clear. Like you have your heroic tier stuff, which is your worm stuff. You have your mythic tier stuff, which was your aspect stuff. Yeah. your normal stuff that's your your drake stuff and you just like can upgrade things to the entry level of the next tier oh yeah it's like it's very straightforward to play with um but yeah it definitely like i did a bunch of 11s to 15s this week to to i've done a ton of keys this week do not yeah <laughs> oh my god i have done you check your slack so <laughs> many Neltharis and underrots trying to get these stupid weapons and i'll take i'll one of the nice things about the upgrade system so stuff that drops from a 17 caps at 441 stuff that drops from an 11 caps at 437 seven yeah which is like it costs a lot to get there right you're paying more worm crests to get there um Mm -hmm. but i'll take it at this point give me a 437 forge storm yeah 
That is that is the one I'll say interesting thing that, funnily enough, like I don't think our Raiders realized it because like somebody was like, "Can I really upgrade this normal ring to 437?" They're like, "That's only like three item level or four item level off Mythic," and we're like, "Oh yeah, that's how the system works." So that's how it works. Um, I think yeah, uh, there's a a little bit of a point kind of tying back to the race to world first stuff, uh, and our own progression stuff. I level like last year. I like we talked about on this podcast how smooth the item level progression was. Like every boss, we were going up by two or three eye levels, and it was just this very smooth progression curve over the course of the tier. And like love it or hate it, that's how it worked. This tier, it's all front loaded. Yeah. Last week we were four twenty five. This week we're four thirty five. Next week we're four forty one, and then we really don't go very much up from there. Yeah, yeah. Then it's sort of minor upgrades from there. But yeah, no the. Uh, I would say like if they can fix the idea of like having to go back and farm lower, we'll say like lower difficulty content just for upgrade materials, we'll say, um, I, I, then this becomes probably one of the better systems they've created in my mind. Right. Like my one, like kind of hang up over that is that right now the way it works gets higher level players into lower level keys to basically help carry those keys in the way that people would farm twos for valor. And yeah. that would help people get into twos, uh, because otherwise there's very little reason to to join a pug plus two, right, or a pug plus eleven. Yeah. Um. And having like a you know I level four forty, you know hunter or mage or something join your plus eleven, and help make up for the fact that it's your first time doing it and you don't know what the hell is going on. Um helps make that like a smoother experience i don't know if i would say a better experience right because you run into things where a high level player can dominate things so hard that you don't get to play the game yeah or yeah, that they no, could yeah. be an asshole about it <laughs> i mean that's like we we have a, i have a friend who like is is just coming back to the game and so like we took we took him into some mythic uh some plus twos yesterday and like one of my buddies is playing a rogue doing one hundred fifty thousand dps on like the first boss and there is not another player over 30k dps like in the group yeah yeah <laughs> and so like it's it's one of those things where like like he like he just deleted things from like a mechanics perspective and and you know the other like really the, the four of us are sort of along for the ride so um yeah yeah i mean i i get that but then there's also like from my point of view like there's also like in my mind i'm also thinking like well maybe like i don't want to do a 19 like i just want to have a chill night do yeah. a 12 but i still get my crests right i still get the crests i need i could get them from the 19 because if they implement this, like the 12 aspects at the end turn back. into low, right. falls back. Or I can be like, ah, I just want to chill. I'll do a 13 and have like a similar thing. And that's so. a great point, actually. Even if they do this fallback thing, it doesn't mean that you never go into the lower level content. Yeah, exactly. It just means that you can do the higher level one. And it actually would still be faster in a lot of cases to, instead of spamming 17s for the fallback, you mm-hmm. know, second tier crests, instead it would be faster to farm 11s so if yeah. you wanted it to be fast you could do that or if you wanted to play with friends you could do that and get those crests that you do need yeah exactly um and so that's i i you know what that's pretty that's a pretty good point uh, yeah so i think maybe i'm maybe i'm like overthinking the value of like pushing top end players into lower level keys yeah right. yeah no it's and yeah so i mean we'll see how it plays out this is again all speculative like blizzard didn't agree or like say this was happening, but it's the ideas that they were thinking about and it's ideas where they said like, I think two things you can pull from this. Number one, this upgrade system is here to stay at least through next season. And then number two, they're at least thinking about ways to make it better, which yeah. um, or make tweaks to it. So just cool. 
I think the fragments and crust being in your bags is probably the biggest pain point for me. Um, mm-hmm. I normally don't have bag issues. Right now I'm having bag issues because of how we're doing loot in Heroic, where we're just not giving any, we're just speed speeding through the whole sure. thing, not stopping for loot, stop for loot, loot at the end. And as a result, you know, every boss is dropping, you know, four to five to six yeah. items. <laughs> and that means all that loot's going to me over the course of two normal bosses and nine heroic bosses, that's 66 (laughs) pieces of loot, each of which does not stack. Nice, nice. So if you, I don't know if you've looked at how much bag space people have now with max tier bags, you have five of them. It's 150 slots. Yeah. It works out to like 160 or something like that. But it's, it's a, that's over a third of my bags that just have to be free before raid (laughs) for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and so that's been my, like, <laughs> the fact that all the crests and fragments have taken up space is, like, kind of an annoyance for that. But Oh, jeez. Oh, man. But, yeah, no, it's, I mean, I, I'm i excited to see what they change here. Um, and if they can fix that whole having to downgrade to do lower, lower level content just to get items to then upgrade to higher level, like, it, it'd be a... It'd be a yeah. good. It'd be a good fix to the system, I think. So yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Um, one final note on that: if you haven't done lower level keys, but you have been doing heroic raid, starting as of like next week, you no longer have to care because you yeah. can just keep doing heroic raid. Each one gives around ninety uh, crests, and by the time you hit like 400, 500 crests total, so if you've done yeah. a you know a few ten to fifteen keys or eleven to fifteen keys you just stop needing worm crests yeah because you've already upgraded items past that point yep you're good to go so yeah yeah oh awesome well cool well i think that i think that about wraps it up for this week or a little over but i think we had a actually an interesting a lot more interesting things we got to talk about than i thought (laughs) starting this one up so i have one final question before we end this okay question okay did you get an evoker legendary this week no, we did not. Although we did. our evoker, we didn't either. yeah, our evoker spent one point three million gold, having like everything ready to get it, um, and so, then didn't get it, <laughs> and then didn't get it. But I mean, he's he's ready whenever it drops. So he'll be. I yeah, mean, we have yeah. two evokers on roster. One's a trial, so like it's gonna go to the the core guy, at least the first one. So yeah, um, um, yeah. isn't it push per, like it's personal? I don't think it's tradable. Oh, is it? I thought it was no, 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 because they were talking about on at least Liquid Stream who to trade it to. Okay, maybe it is tradable. I don't yeah. know. Uh but yeah, it it and it may have just functioned differently on Mythic for the first drop. I don't know. But yeah. what I've been hearing is that it's now personal loot. Oh, is it? Oh that sucks. So um well, I don't know. We we we'll find out. But yeah, we yeah. didn't get one either. And neither did the other team in my guild. None of none of us have gotten it. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Um, I think that is going to bring us to the end of the podcast today. Thank you all for watching and or listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to support it and the other work that we do over on the Peak of Serenity, you can do that at our Patreon at patreon.com slash Peak of Serenity. And of course, come and join the Discord. It is the best place for you to come and uh, talk shop about Brewmaster talent builds and look at what the like top tanks are playing and like figure out why. Maybe mm-hmm. we can guess. We can't say for sure because we're not them. Mostly. Well, yeah, some of us uh, are. 
we we try to avoid pinging them too. Yes. Uh, but we can talk about it a lot and talk through the pros and cons of different talent choices. Um, and if all that sounds exciting to you, you should come and join the Discord and join the Brewmaster channels or the Mistweaver ones or the Windwalker ones, whichever spec you're playing. Uh, nice. But that is going to be it for the show today. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.